Welcome to Corporately. I'm Glenn. And I'm Danny. Danny, today is episode 11. This feels like a season two to me because we took a bit of a break and shared the podcast with friends and got some feedback. We hope people find it interesting. And I would ask if you have feedback you'd like to share, please send us an email at corporately at yahoo.com. That's corporate, L-Y, at yahoo.com. We'd be interested in any and all comments, the good and the bad. It will help us make a better podcast and give us some ideas. We got some feedback early on and it really helped. And of course, all feedback is a gift and we will appreciate any thoughts or comments, especially if they're entertaining in some way. <laughs> Denny, would you agree? We need some comments. We do, Glenn. I think it's difficult sometimes. It's just like we're talking to each other and often it's things we've discussed with each other before. So you don't really know how the rest of the world views these things. I know we have our opinions and of course they're correct right but it would be good to hear back from our listening audience and see see what they think absolutely well let me share one stat with you denny because of course this is a podcast and they are measuring everything we have managed to waste about 900 hours of people's time so far which by any corporate standard i think is pretty good and we didn't even have to pay them for the privilege of doing that to them that's outstanding that's true veneer management man <laughs> <laughs> Something to be proud of. Okay, let's get started. Today's episode might actually generate some comments. It's on a topic I've been trying to convince you to cover for some time, and you've been hesitant. You're hesitant because you've done the very uncorporately-like action of admitting you don't understand it. The topic is cryptocurrency, and I have to say that your unwillingness to just pretend like you understand topics <laughs> like this probably explains why you're not a C-level executive right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have talked about this before, and, and I remain at this point a bit of a skeptic about the entire concept. So I'm very interested to see what you bring to the table today. See what you can do to enlighten me. My only goal is to enlighten you, as you say. I'm not going to try to convince you it's worthwhile. I just want you to understand what crypto is. I would love to. Okay. So the deal is, if I can explain to you what cryptocurrency is and it results in you admitting you understand it, you'll agree to explore the topic in a future episode. I will agree to that. I okay. don't think we'll be doing a future episode because <laughs> I remain unconvinced that there is any explanation for this, but I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation. All right. Well, prepared to be enlightened. Before we start, we need to do one thing that no one does when they're talking about crypto, and that is disclose if we own any. This is important because we need to let our listeners know if we have a bias or a self-interest in making these comments. So, Denny, do you own any cryptocurrency? I don't even know what it is, so how would I possibly own it? No, no. I have no interest whatsoever in anything related to this word, cryptocurrency. Are you sure? No Bitcoin? No. No Ethereum? No. Dogecoin? Litecoin? Wait, is that the Snoop Dogg? stuff yeah i don't have that either i have i have shib. none of this none of shib this. pancake swap now you're just making stuff up <laughs> salona polka dot chain link helium seriously you're making stuff up but not even tether okay no i, I have no <laughs> stake in this mysterious non-existent thing in any way well are you sure because there's about nine thousand cryptocurrencies that you could be trading right now you didn't accidentally, while you're surfing one night, pick up some bonk or some Tron. <laughs> well, I know I didn't. Uh, I suppose it's possible. I've got some money in the hands of a so-called financial manager. <laughs> and when I look at the statements that come from him, I half the time, I don't know what it is that I've got, mm. but I don't see the word crypto anywhere. And these words you just made up, I don't recognize any of those. Are there more? I'm curious. Yeah, there's about 8,990 more. Good Lord. And the ones I just mentioned all have a market cap of over $600 million. And there's far more than that. And Bitcoin has a market cap of over $800 billion. Okay, so, doctor, enlighten me. All right. I, first, I have to disclose, I have less than $1,000 of Ethereum and Cardano. I purchased these a couple of years ago, mainly because of FOMO, fear of missing out. It is, of course, worth significantly less than what I paid for it. And uh, that leads me to the next point. You should never take investment advice from me. I, for one, am pretty bad at it. And you'd probably do better doing the opposite of whatever I say. But even that isn't certain. Denny, how about you? Well, I, I have told many people that if they want investment advice from me, whatever I tell them, do the opposite. Because mm -hmm. I, I have a strong track record of failing. This is not in this particular thing, but in standard stocks and bonds and mutual funds and that sort of thing, I seem to be quite adept at not making good choices. There you go. Okay. So don't listen to Denny either. So also relatedly, this subject is absolutely rife with misinformation, scams, and outright lies. In the community of cryptocurrency, there is a saying, don't 
trust verify. There is so much money flying around and everyone is trying to get a piece of it by hook or crook and your defenses need to be up at all times or you will get scammed or maybe even radicalized, I'm not sure. Here's my suggestion. Don't trust anyone, not even us. And don't think research means doing Google searches. Google searches are absolutely overwhelmed with nonsense. YouTube is an absolute scam machine when it comes to cryptocurrency. Everything you've told me so far convinces me I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> well, you can still have nothing to do with it, but I am about to enlighten you. Go. All right. But first, I need to explain to you why cryptocurrency is an important topic. Cryptocurrency touches corporations and governments because it has monetized the industry of hacking. Hackers all over the world, individuals, groups, and nation states are spending enormous effort to hack every computer system in the world because they can now extort money from anyone, but especially large organizations, and remain anonymous. Denny, that's the first lesson. Cryptocurrency appeal to many is that unlike state-authorized or supported currencies, the world of crypto allows you to be anonymous and out of the reach of authorities. But only if you are careful will you remain anonymous. You have to know what you're doing. Well, if I want to blackmail somebody, this is the way to go. Absolutely. Okay. Useful bit of information there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of the hacking group Lazarus? No. This is the North Korean sponsored hacking group. They broke into Sony Pictures a few years back. You might recall yeah. that. Heard about that. Yeah. But they also created the WannaCry ransom attack in 2017. And they netted, we think, about $4 billion in that effort. Yikes. Dragonfly, that's a Russian-sponsored hacking group. They spent a lot of time hacking the Ukraine infrastructure before the war started. And of course, they've earned lots of money through their hacking and ransomware attacks. You might know you, them as Berserk Bear. Do you mean they haven't earned it? They've stolen it, right? They've stolen it. Okay. But it was hard work, no doubt. <laughs> okay. The other reason it's important is that the value of cryptocurrency is somewhere north of $1 trillion. It's really hard to figure out exactly how much money is truly out there. It seems like a lot of it's sort of vapor, but somewhere in between one and $2 trillion is what the cryptocurrency market is worth. You can now invest in crypto in your brokerage accounts. The SEC has recently approved an ETF for Bitcoin, which makes me a bit uncomfortable because your financial advisor could be taking your retirement savings and investing in an ETF of Bitcoin. I'll ask. That's concerning. Fraud in the cryptocurrency market is rampant. The scams originate from everywhere on the globe, and criminals are happy to trade you some cryptocurrency for your hard-earned USD. Pump and dump schemes are everywhere. People are constantly trying to steal crypto from other crypto owners. It's a lot of money in that. Bitcoin uses an enormous amount of electricity to validate transactions. We won't be getting into this in this conversation. This maybe is a future topic if I can convince you what crypto is actually is, but it's an enormous waste of energy, very environmentally unfriendly. Hmm. Who accepts cryptocurrency? Really, there are very few things right now that you can buy with crypto. And if someone is accepting cryptocurrency to buy things today, they could stop tomorrow. Supposedly over a trillion dollars in market cap and you can't buy much of anything with it. As you may recall, Tesla famously accepted Bitcoin to buy Tesla cars for a few months back in 2021, but no longer. They still accept Douchecoin, but only Douche for a few mer merchandise items. I may not even be saying that right. I think it's Douchecoin. No, you got to be saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> but none of this is helping you understand Bitcoin, is it? No. Um, and I want to just say one thing now. Hopefully you'll come back to this later mm -hmm. today, this conversation we're having and every other conversation we've had. Somehow, when you're trying to explain this mysterious non-thing, it's always in terms of dollars. Yeah. So to me, it's it's worthless. The only way you can equate it to anything is in dollars. So you tell me how many trillion dollars are in market cap of this stuff. But it, it's like it's a non-thing. It's a non-real item because you can only explain it to me in dollar. Yes. So you're going to have to bridge that gap for me. I don't, I don't get that. Let's revisit that and we'll talk about it when we bring up the concept of one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Okay. So remember that and we'll come back to it. So what is cryptocurrency? First, we'll talk about what it's not. Cryptocurrency is not legal tender in the US. If you take out a US dollar bill, it says this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. No one has to accept cryptocurrency as payment for anything in the United States. As of December, 2023, only two countries in the world have made Bitcoin legal tender, El Salvador and the Central African Republic. I don't shop much in either of those places. <laughs> nope. Crypto is actually illegal in a handful of countries. Algeria, Bangladesh, Egypt, Iraq, Morocco, and most notably China. 
China made this announcement in 2021. In theory, they should have shut down all their mining operations, but there's some debate about that. It probably just went underground. So when you say mining operations, you're talking about that high use of electricity? Exactly. Or, okay. That's an element of the ecosystem of Bitcoin. Yeah, see, I but know we don't, about it. Here's, <laughs> here's the good thing. You don't need to understand what mining is to understand Bitcoin. So that will be a future episode. Fair enough. The IRS has recently reaffirmed that cryptocurrency should be treated as property for tax purposes. That is, it is not currency. The gains and losses you experience by buying and selling a cryptocurrency are treated just like stocks. So if you were trading currency, you would normally be taxed at the capital gains tax rates. But with crypto, it's like stocks. You have to hold it for more than a year for it to be taxed at capital gains rates. It's also not considered a barter transaction because there is a ready market price. But Denny, if you do it right, you can be completely anonymous with cryptocurrency, which means the IRS doesn't know when you make money. They're relying on you to self-report gains in those cases. So it could be a tax avoidance scheme. Hmm. The bottom line is that cryptocurrency has some currency-like attributes and some property-like attributes, which is what I think makes it confusing. It's really neither right now. Some would say it's a new kind of financial instrument. I'm not trying to make it sound more legitimate when I say that. And it doesn't mean it has actual value. More specifically, crypto is like currency because in theory, you can buy stuff with it like a real currency. Some products are denominated in cryptocurrency, very few, but it's true. It's divisible into smaller units. Again, a key aspect of a currency. Bitcoin can actually be cut down into very small units. You can transfer it easily to others. Okay, so it's like a currency, but what makes it more like property as we mentioned before, it's not legal tender. Some cryptocurrencies have a limited supply. For example, gold in theory has a finite supply. Bitcoin specifically will only supposedly have 21 million coins in circulation in the supply. They've mined about 20 million of it so far. So at some point, they will not make any more Bitcoins under the current algorithms. Other cryptocurrencies have no limit. We mentioned Dogecoin, for example, it has no limit on supply. It will continually generate new coins and there will continually be more and more coins out there for Dogecoin. Amazingly, this cryptocurrency has a current market cap of over $12 billion. It's mind numbing why this thing that was generated as sort of a joke is actually a $12 billion market cap. It's more like property because there is no central authority regulating it. The ledger of who owns which Bitcoin is part of a program or a protocol. No entity can control it. The issue with anything digital is it can be copied easily. We have third-party entities in our currency system that keep track of who has what. If I have $100 and I send you $5, these third parties make sure that at the end of that transaction, I have 95 and you have five. If somehow I send you $5 and I still have 100 at the end of that, then the whole system falls apart. Cryptocurrency solves this with something called blockchain. And blockchain is just a program, more specifically a ledger of transaction, a digital ledger. The most important thing to know about that is it is the same thing. It keeps track of who owns what and how that changes over time. But the difference is no third party is involved. It's a giant ledger book in the sky that cannot be altered once a transaction is added. Blockchain uses cryptography to prevent anyone from messing with that ledger book. It's the cryptography algorithms. Again, a potentially whole episode could be talked about exactly what and how cryptocurrency uses cryptography, but basically it protects and it secures information. The important thing to know is that cryptography algorithms are ways to protect and secure that ledger from unauthorized changes. It is inherently a zero trust architecture. Have you ever heard of zero trust or blockchain? Uh, yeah. Yes, I have. Blockchain has been around for a long time. Yeah. And it is the key to how cryptocurrencies can make sure that we always know who owns what, and we can make sure that transactions are never changed and accurately recorded. As you continue this explanation, I'm going to try to relate this to common sense. Banks. Banks do all of this stuff for me now. There's no physical dollar bill in my hand when I pay my mortgage. It comes out of some mysterious account. 
it's digitally transferred to some other mysterious account and everybody's happy. Track is kept of how much money I've got in my account, how much money is in the brokerage account for my mortgage. But there are people that monitor this. I monitor mine on my end. Supposedly the mortgage company monitors theirs on their end. If there's a significant difference somehow with crypto that's relevant to that, perhaps we can get into an explanation of that at some point too. Yeah, maybe now's a good time to talk about what you introduced a minute ago. As long as we continue to think of, for example, Bitcoin in terms of US dollars, it's not really a currency. When people say one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, sometimes they get confused and think that has something to do with the total supply of Bitcoins out there. What it really means is that when we get to the point that when we think about a pizza or a Tesla or a cup of coffee, we don't think how much does it cost in USD and then how much this would be in Bitcoin, we would think, oh, well, that Tesla is 40 Bitcoins or that pizza is half a Bitcoin. We stop thinking about it in terms of a translations into US dollars because right now it's not. It's not a currency. The other reason it's not like a currency and more like property is that the value of crypto is off the charts volatile, which makes it not a good currency. If you sell your car for one Bitcoin and a month later your Bitcoin is worth half, well, that kind of hurts. If the opposite is true and the value doubles, then well, that hurts the purchaser. That changes behavior and prevents people from using it as a medium of exchange. Why would the masses adopt that as a currency? No one wants that kind of risk on a day-to-day -day basis. If I follow your logic there, before I even consider that as worth discussing, I have to think of this crypto universe as something that is a currency. Because all discussions about Bitcoin come down to how many dollars it's worth. Mm -hmm. All discussions about Bitcoin have absolutely nothing to do with what you can trade it for. You can trade it for dollars. That's it. Mm -hmm. And apparently at one point you could trade it for a Tesla and that's it. But I don't see... Other than the, the wonderful criminal enterprises that you discussed earlier, I don't. Why do I even care about this? I've got dollars. There are currency traders around the globe that trade on the variations between dollars and euros and yen, mm -hmm. and make money on that because it does the same thing. Each of those currencies, each of those nationalized currencies, varies in value some small amount from day to day based on a whole bunch of factors. From that standpoint, it's kind of no different than Bitcoin. Bitcoin's value seems to to be moved solely by speculation. People don't speculate in dollars. So the dollar represents more of a high-level view of the economic conditions of the country underneath it, or the euro or the yen, and they have some relative value. That's why you always want to see how much is it in Canadian dollars before I take a ski trip to Canada. So the U.S. dollar is worth more than the Canadian dollar, even though they have the same names. So it's just this relative comparison. <clears throat> Bitcoin, other than as a criminal enterprise, seems to be an answer to something where there's no problem. There's well, you're hitting on the important topic that I want to get to, which is why would you switch? Why would we use Bitcoin? What's better about it? Okay. One reason is there's no third party involvement. No central bank is involved. No manipulation by the man or oligarchs or Congress or whatever people might do to mess with a monetary system. It's a stable program that uses cryptography technology in a no-trust architecture. I would challenge that statement right now because it's not a stable item. It varies all over the map. Two months ago, Bitcoin was worth, what, $16,000, and now it's worth $47,000. I don't know why it's changing, but there is, there is some speculative concern. Talking about banks manipulating currency and changing the value of that, if that in fact happens, and I have no doubt that somebody has the capability of doing that, the variation is tiny. I've tracked for a long time the different values of different currencies. If you're going to travel anywhere, you want to know how much is the Costa Rican, whatever they have down there worth. And it varies, but not by much. Go you're ahead. talking about volatility, though. Volatility in price is one thing. Okay. It is a stable program in the sense that there are rules codified and there are instructions about how things work that don't change. It's been proven to be very reliable and not crackable. The blockchain, the algorithms cannot be broken, or at least that's what people tell me. It would take so, millions of years to break that. What what would be an analogous problem with the US dollar? How do you break the so, US dollar? Well, the, some would say that the temptation for governments to print more money to solve short-term problems is just too great, that there's long history of that. We talked about El Salvador. They're using Bitcoin. Those politicians, those people in power are corrupt. And if you have a debt, they might just print more Salvadoran pesos or whatever it is 
to, so to pay you must be thing. aware that the Federal Reserve constantly affects the money supply mm-hmm. in the U.S. as a matter of course to try to maintain stability. So yep. if you print more money and you make more money available, it has an effect. If you stop printing money, it has an effect. But it's not due to some corrupt Federal Reserve chairman. It's due to what presumably is the best guess of a bunch of economists who are looking at the current economic situation in the U.S. I I don't know about other countries, but presumably they, they do the same thing. You can check on any given day the U.S. money supply and see how many dollars are being released or pulled in. And they do this. I think this has been in case practically as long as we've been a country. This is not something new. I'm unaware that that has caused any any real problems. Rather, it's used as a means to temper economic movement, to try to prevent instability by introducing stability, by controlling the money supply. So it feels like uh, a specious argument to me to say, well, cryptocurrency solves that problem. Again, it's a solution to a problem that I don't see existing. Not that it couldn't. I just don't think that it does. I don't disagree with you when we're talking about the current time and the United States and obviously other Western countries. But there, in history, there has been abuse by governments in the management of the money supply. So what crypto does, again, it's a no-trust architecture. We don't have to trust the politicians and the people and the government to not abuse the system. It's a set of instructions. No one can mess with it. So I'm, I'm off on the ozone again here, Glenn, because <laughs> I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but I don't understand what problem we're trying to solve. So now you're hitting on exactly what we're going to get to, which is why would we switch? What is okay. the advantage of cryptocurrency over the current what's called fiat currencies? A fiat currency is simply a currency authorized or issued by a government. So the other appeal of crypto to some is it can be, as I mentioned earlier, completely anonymous. Of course, this is getting harder and harder with the IRS trying to get their share of every gain. They're going to figure out ways to to track this stuff and prevent people from money laundering. If you use a centralized exchange like Coinbase, you will not be anonymous. That All that is going to the IRS. The other appeal right now to crypto is the massive returns people are experiencing. We all know that if you bought $100 worth of Bitcoin years ago, it would be worth millions and millions of dollars today. So that's the current appeal of crypto. Speculation, pure speculation based on absolutely nothing. Supply and demand, limited supply. A lot of people, as you mentioned earlier, fear of missing out. That seems to be the driver. I'd better buy some of this. So I have some friends who are big proponents of this, and I ask them the same questions that I ask you, and I come away with the same complete lack of comprehension of why they do it. They typically refer to me some website where some guy's talking it up. And I've actually looked at some of these, and it's, it's no different than a broker trying to sell me the latest stock. It's all about buy this now and you're going to get rich. Well, unless you don't. But there's yep. there's just nothing there that I see that is better than what we currently have. Well, this don't give up you're... yet. Okay. Let me keep going. Go. So when we talk I'll... about the value of cryptocurrency, someone usually makes the point that it has no intrinsic value, which I think is part of what you're saying. There's no value to it. Not only is there no physical manifestation of it, like a coin or a bill, there's just nothing to it. It's made up. You've made this point to me. When you buy a stock in a company, you own a piece of that enterprise and they do actual things that earn money that you can project out cash flows and you can know what your tiny percent of those cash flows is worth. There's something intrinsically valuable about a stock. Cryptocurrency has absolutely no intrinsic value, but that actually makes it more like currency or what we just explained as fiat currency. The US dollar is formally authorized by the US government as legal tender. That makes it a fiat currency, but it too has no intrinsic value beyond what our agreement that it's worth something. It is valuable because we all have faith and accept it as a currency in our society. That's it. And we got to this point over several thousand years. I'm just going to really briefly talk about the evolution of money in way to a high level, but it's the reason people think Bitcoin could become a currency. Let's go way back and talk about barter exchanges. I might be giving you a hunk of meat and you might be giving me a spear or I'm trading you five chickens for your pig and a bushel of corn, something like that. But that's extremely inefficient because what if I want a pig, but you don't want any chickens. So now I got to go find somebody that wants chickens to turn it into something that you want so I can get a pig. So it's extremely inefficient. So about 600 BC in a few areas, China, what's now Turkey and Greece, they came up with the concept of coins. 
and value was placed on these hunks of metal, that made the buying and selling of things easier. It's not easy to carry around chickens to buy things all the time. It's not easy to figure out how to change chickens into other things that are valuable. The point about coins is that was an improvement over bartering. We went from barter exchange extremely difficult to coins that made trade easier. Then around 1000 AD, just a little over a thousand years ago, we invented paper money. It turns out the coins are actually kind of heavy. So as you start doing international trade, it made things difficult. So the government got involved and was able to issue paper money, which is easily transportable, easily changeable, and they start supporting it. There was a period of time, or relatively short period of time in this history, where gold actually backed up currency in the US and UK, went away in the 1970s. It's not that important in the history of money. Now you've got paper money making trade easier and being issued by governance. Of course, counterfeit money is a big issue. So you have to do things to make sure people can't create their own currency, or at least you've got to go after them and, and squelch it. But the point is, we moved away from barter exchanges for good reasons. Then we moved to coins. Then we moved to paper. And now we're at fiat currency. It's really a societal contract that says money has value and money is worth anything. I am confident today that the dollars I have in my pocket right now will have value tomorrow. It's not even a worry in my mind. Thanks to cryptography algorithms, these cryptocurrencies have some of the basic needs of a currency solved in terms of security, transferability, preventing counterfeiting. And the Bitcoin believers would say that it's only a matter of time before society starts to trust Bitcoin. But what about all the other currencies? My first thought in my head. So there's 8,999 other currencies. And I believe virtually all of those will at some point collapse. Bitcoin is currently a store of value according to the Bitcoin enthusiasts. But they believe it'll eventually be a currency because that's part of the evolution of the development of thinking. And as soon as we stop thinking about Bitcoins in terms of USD, but rather Bitcoins in terms of Bitcoins, then it starts to become a currency and starts being something that we start using. But no one knows for sure. Is cryptocurrency the next evolution of currency? And the big question that you keep bringing up is what makes it better? But I'm not going to answer that question for you. I am simply going to say this. When you ask the question, what is cryptocurrency? I'm going to say it's a new financial instrument that is attempting to become a currency, but it has a long way to go. Our current currency systems that you have so much faith in, we've got here over three or 4,000 years. Cryptocurrency is evolving fast, but it still has to develop that faith and confidence and belief in society before it will be adopted as a currency. And as you said, do we need another currency? In some ways, you got to think of that about this as a product. You even mentioned this a couple of minutes ago and ask yourself, why is this new product better than one I have today? This is a tough question to answer, especially when you consider there's a huge group of people that stand to gain incredible wealth if they're able to convince you, by you, I mean all of us regular folk, that it's a valid currency. You need to keep in mind that at all times, people are trying to sell you something when they talk about cryptocurrency. So I'm going to wrap this up with one more statement to drive home so you understand what cryptocurrency is. Cryptocurrency is a new financial instrument that the IRS considers property. It has no intrinsic value, just like fiat currencies. It has all the elements in place to make it secure and function like a currency. It absolutely aspires to become a currency, but it's not there yet. Society has not accepted it as a currency. This is a basic marketing problem. Why would we buy this product and use it as a currency? What utility does it have that we're not using today? And I would argue no one can really answer that today. And until they do, it's at risk of collapsing like all other bubbles. So do you think you have explained it to me? I think I have explained cryptocurrency, but, but wait, there's more. Let me ask and answer some rapid fire questions to see if okay. this helps clarify anything. Will cryptocurrency ever be generally accepted? A lot of things need to happen to make that a reality. First, it's got a long way to go to be generally accepted. Second, one thing we all need to be very wary of is that the news media is filled with self-interested so-called experts trying to convince you that is going to happen and its value is going to go up. Most of the stories that make it to the mass media foment FOMO, fear of missing out. That is the incredible wealth that has been generated. That's a powerful draw but doesn't create any actual value. Is it a bubble? I think it probably is. All indications are it is a bubble. Even the part of a bubble's evolution where people start saying, it's not a bubble because it hasn't popped. The reality is no one can predict when bubbles pop, but this smells a lot like a bubble. What's the primary use case for spending crypto? In my opinion, it's crime. 
In particular, the cybercrime that can extort millions and millions of dollars from corporations and governments. This is probably worth discussing for an entire episode. Honestly, I think crime is what has been keeping cryptocurrency going and growing, but I don't have a lot of evidence yet to support that. Should I consider investing in crypto? Probably not. But if you do, only do so with money that you won't miss and stay away from anything that isn't in sort of the top cryptocurrencies. In my opinion, most of the rest are nonsense at best, outright scams at worst. Don't be a sucker. Scams associated with crypto could be an entire episode also. If there's an economic meltdown, is crypto a good store of money or value? Heck no, not at this stage. If you want to prepare for some kind of civil unrest or apocalypse or collapse, you should seek out the many people who have spent a lot of time thinking about this. They're not thinking digital currencies make sense in that situation. If you're trying to protect yourself from some other less extreme event like hyperinflation or another giant pandemic, no one knows what will happen to cryptocurrencies in those scenarios or if they'll do better than, than or worse than traditional assets like stocks and bonds. Again, don't listen to the so-called experts. They are literally trying to sell you something so crypto goes up. Denia, how close am I? How close are you feeling like you understand what cryptocurrency is? Not even in the same state. <laughs> For the benefit of those listening, it's worth noting, this is not the first time you and I have had this conversation. Consequently, it's not the first time that the questions in my head have appeared. They've been there every other time. You provide a, a, a good overview of this thing, cryptocurrency. Lots of details, lots of interesting historical perspectives, but there is nothing in anything you've said that tells me what it is other than a means to extract blackmail money. I, I am curious about that. That might be a topic for another session, but how does that work if you're a criminal and you somehow hijacked all of the bank's records and you demand payment in crypto? Where does the bank get crypto to pay you? How do they deliver that? So there's probably a mechanism in place, but I don't I don't understand that. That that does seem to be the only thing that you have brought up that I would agree, okay, I get that. It's a means to extract unlawfully blackmailed money from other institutions by using electronic means to put them out of business. I have a friend who has personal experience in this, but let me just toss a few things out. You don't necessarily have to answer, but I want to make sure that everybody understands the issues that I have with this. Some of it is in the terms that you use. You use the word property quite frequently that crypto is considered property. Well, what do you mean by property? Real estate? Cars? I mean, physical things that you can hold in your hand? Because if we're considering crypto property, and if my interpretation of your word is right, that is just not the case. It is not something that you hold in your hand. It's not something you can look at. There is nothing there. It's just vapor that represents a perception of something that's real. Now, to be fair, I haven't seen real money in years. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've got some around here, a few dollars squirreled away, but I don't spend real money for anything. I use a debit card or a credit card or a bank transfer, online bill payment. It's all digital. It's all just numbers in a ledger somewhere that keeps track of how many of these things I have, how many of them do I have to give to you? That, as you said earlier, keeps track of how many I have, and then I give some to you, so we're both updated with these new numbers. That's that's the reality of the world today. Crypto doesn't solve a problem there. We've already got that figured out. But you'll admit that a U.S. dollar is just as ethereal as a Bitcoin. There's no intrinsic in, value. In, in terms of the physical properties, no, I would disagree with that because the U.S. dollar, every other fiat currency that you've cited, whether in fact we are now on the gold standard. When I grew up, there was actual physical gold in Fort Knox that was worth approximately the same value of the number of paper dollars in circulation. That was simply so people would know. Well, here's something physical, gold, that has an agreed upon value because we decided it has an agreed upon value, but it's a physical thing you can hold in your hand. The truth is the value that we apply to an ounce of gold varies as well. It goes mm -hmm. up and it goes down depending on what's happening in the world. But in the U.S., at least, the dollar was tied to that. So if we expand that to every country, however many countries there are, I don't know how many there are, 150, 500, I have no idea. They each have a currency, a fiat currency associated with their government that has some associated value in trade. How you do that is irrelevant. Whether you actually hand the baker a dollar bill or whether you hand them a debit card or whether you write them a check, it, it does not matter. It represents 
this value associated with the currency that is universally accepted in each country. You can also spend U.S. dollars in foreign countries. They'll trade you goods in China for American dollars, gladly, because that represents something that you can actually hold in your hand and see. Bitcoin doesn't have that same capability, probably because, as you pointed out, this is still sort of a pie-in-the-sky kind of idea. Bitcoin represents, I think, in theory, the same thing. It has value, but only in the sense that you associate it with one of these fiat currency. Bitcoin is worth so many euros or so many British pounds or so many Greek dinars or whatever. It has no wealth. That's not the right word. It has no physical value on its own. So if I accept Bitcoin is simply another attempt to create a representation of financial value. I think I, I can grasp that as a concept. The problem is that's not what it really represents in the eyes of the world. Right now, it's a speculative product. Product, it's a speculative idea. That's all that it is. It's pure speculation that somehow this is going to be worth more, so I'd better get some. The and fact that its value changes in relative terms to U.S. dollars so much by such enormous amounts tells me that there's nothing there. It's all manufactured. It's it's like this vaporous idea in my head that this is somehow going to be worth more in the future. Years ago, I did a lot of day trading where I was buying and selling stock based on pure speculation. So I would buy 100 shares of a stock in some electronics company because I believed that they had some new product, again, a physical thing that was going to create a, a big stir and they were going to sell a lot of that product and the relative value of the company would go up. So if I bought this stock and I was not the only one that thought that was the case and a lot of other people bought this stock, the very simple law of supply and demand, there's only a million shares of stock and there's a million people trying to get them. We start bidding the value up. That has no representation whatsoever on the base value of that company. The stock is a representation of perceived value of the company. The difference between that and Bitcoin is there is a thing, there's a product or a service, there's something quantifiable that's related to the company that I was buying stock in. It wasn't just buying stock to buy stock. To me, that's what Bitcoin is. You buy Bitcoin just to buy Bitcoin, not because Bitcoin is going to produce a brand new line of electric cars or build a rocket to Mars, none of that. It's pure speculation that people are going to pile onto this because somehow we all think we're going to get rich on it. There's nothing underneath it. It's like you're standing on a frozen lake and the temperature is 50 degrees. So something's going to happen. It's this mysterious, unrealistic view somehow of the world. I get what you're saying. I, I understand all the points that you made, but I don't see Bitcoin as a thing that benefits me in any way. Okay. So if we compare Bitcoin gold and fiat currency. And we ask the question, what makes a good currency? What makes trade the most efficient with the least amount of friction? One thing is a currency ought to be durable. Gold wins on that. We have currency from the Egyptian times, gold coins that are still worth something today. So gold is a durable currency. Fiat and Bitcoin, it's very portable. Portable gold is not. Fiat currency is pretty portable. It's verifiable. We know who owns Bitcoin at all times. Not so easy with gold or fiat. So what's the advantage can... of that? What's the advantage of knowing who owns Bitcoin as opposed to who owns gold? And I'll remind you that gold was the basis for many currencies for a couple of reasons. One is scarcity. There was not an endless supply of it. They've tried yeah. to duplicate that by saying we're only going to have, what do you say, 23 million Bitcoin? So we're going to create this artificial scarcity, but it's an artificial scarcity, not a real scarcity. There is only so much gold. Gold represents a physical thing that you can transport around, but you can't take it to the store. You can't buy anything with gold. Mm -hmm. Because we have a different currency now. We've evolved beyond using gold as currency because the fiat currency was better and more efficient and made trade easier. I get that. I would so agree with they that. Would say, what they would say is gold isn't as scarce as Bitcoin. We can go out and mine more gold and get more into the supply chain. So the supply of gold could go up. Or we could go fly to an asteroid and get unlimited amounts of gold. Who knows? Bitcoin, the way it's programmed right now, and again, programs can change, but the way it's programmed right now, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins out in the world today. So two questions about that. One, 
What about all of the cryptos that you said have unlimited sources? There's no limit on that. And two, if I can corrupt the fiat money supply in my country because I'm a crooked politician, why can't I corrupt the Bitcoin records? Because if you can invent it and you can create a cryptography, you can also break that cryptography. It's well, that not unbreakable. So ask anybody that deals with any kind of financial transactions today. They're pretty secure and they use a lot of encryption and that sort of thing. Hmm. It's decipherable. It can be done. So when you go to the ATM machine, there is encryption involved in the, the strip of your card or the chip, but it is not unbreakable. It can be broken. It's created by people. It can be decoded by people. I have a hard time believing that this miracle blockchain is unbreakable. I don't believe it is. It is to me. I don't know how to do it, <laughs> but somebody does. Well, that's an excellent point. If the blockchain is ever broken, ever hacked, all of these cryptocurrencies fall apart overnight. If anybody ever figures out, they'll probably attempt to extract as much as they can before it gets out into the world and everybody knows you can't rely on blockchain anymore and it will completely fall apart. That would be the end of cryptocurrency completely. It would be the end of Bitcoin. So not much motivation unless the second you break, you turn it all into dollars. Yeah, that's what you got to do. <laughs> I'm sure that as you were growing up, you read science fiction books. We sure. all did. One of the very common topics and these views of the futuristic universe where we're all jetting around the galaxy going to different places is that Earth had a single currency. Mm -hmm. Typically, they would call it credits. I don't know why. That was just Robert A. Heinlein's word or whatever. But someone came up with the idea that one of the things that would happen is that each individual country would cease having their own currency. And we would just have one because we're this wonderful, happy, unified planet in which everybody cares about everybody else. And we all want to work the same way. That feels to me like sort of what the idea is here, that we're going to mm -hmm. solve a lot of futures problems by adopting this one world currency, which certainly not in my lifetime, most certainly not in your lifetime, perhaps at some point, thousand years in the future, if the planet's still here, we'll get there. But that's not going to happen in a world where you can't agree on much simpler things. Like how much is the tariff for me to import this car to your country? If you disagree about such elemental economic factors as that, you're not going to adopt the standard currency. The Chinese will never believe that the American dollar is a better idea than the Chinese yuan and vice versa. We would never agree to start trading in their currency. The concept is flawed from that standpoint, from a practical perspective. This doesn't get into the areas of just this fog that overtakes my brain when I try and <laughs> conceptualize, why do we have this? And I don't think I'm in a different place than when we started. I think I still see Bitcoin and its 8,000 surrogates as, as a scam, a way to extract money from people who want to get involved in a speculative market where they may very well make a lot of money. I, I have a hard time equating these things because money is money. Dollars are dollars. If everything about Bitcoin gets translated into a perspective of dollars, I just I don't see why we have it. We've already got dollars. Why do we need Bitcoin? If the conversation is, here's the latest and greatest way for people who like to speculate in investment for them to maybe make some money. Or the other side of that, here's the latest and greatest way for people who like to scam people who want to invest money for them to do that. If I can convince you to buy Bitcoin from me at an inflated price because it's naturally just going to go up. The thing is, I pocket dollars. I don't pocket Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing just kind of it's like there's no legs to this somehow. So conceptually, I get what you're saying. Everything you said makes sense to me conceptually. Practically none of it does. So that wasn't my goal. My goal is not to convince you that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have value. My goal is to make you understand it. And if you understand that the underlying technology of Bitcoin makes it a potential valid currency, because one, it's durable, it's portable, it's fungible, and fungible, but meaning one Bitcoin is the same as any other Bitcoin. It's verifiable. It's divisible into smaller units. It's scarce. Then all of those elements make it potentially a currency. And you said it might take a thousand years to get there. The I just don't see why we why we go there. It's like the believers of Bitcoin though think it might take another twenty years before people start going. Wow, this has been around for a long enough time. There's some psychology at the twenty year mark where people start saying, "Well, yeah, I guess." It's around. It hasn't 
gone away, it has actual value. I believe a Bitcoin is a valuable asset. I believe Bitcoin and its little friends out there are speculative assets Yes, that have no real intrinsic value. It's pure Just like a currency. The fact no, it doesn't have intrinsic no, value means because it is more I can like trade a currency. a currency for all kinds of things. It's like I now have a chicken that I can trade for a pig. So a dollar, I can take anywhere in this country, anywhere in Canada, anywhere in Mexico, most places in the world, and trade it for a physical thing, food or gas or surgery. If I fall and break my arm on the Great Wall of China, it has actual usable value. If I show up with Bitcoin, meaning I don't even know what it is. I have a, a file on my laptop that says I have this. Nobody wants it. There's nothing to use it. So it's a speculative investment that only has value when you convert it into a real currency, an existing currency. So I realize that's now today. Potentially this would change. But to me, the problem I have with Bitcoin with all of these other cryptocurrencies is the same. And that is that I can't do anything with them. They represent nothing useful to me except a way to either maybe make money, but more likely lose money. And by make money and lose money, I don't mean make Bitcoin or lose Bitcoin. I mean, make dollars or lose dollars. Mm -hmm. that, that currency that actually, to me, represents something real, something that I can trade. It's a chicken that I can trade for a, a pig. So back to your prehistoric so, so that example. US dollar that you take and go buy gas with, it only has value because the person on the other end of that transaction has agreed, you're right, this has value. Yep. So you're, I give it to them and they have- But that's the not same, intrinsic value. It, they There's have the nothing. same value perception as me because then they can go buy a loaf of bread. Exactly. You can't do that with Bitcoin. You can't trade it Not for yet. anything. Not yet. And until it becomes the de facto standard, until it replaces dollar, I don't see what value it has to me. And that's the crux of it. So you, I think you understand what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is aspiring to be a currency. And if it ever gets there, if we society ever accepts it as being valid to buy gas and bread and eggs, then that's when it becomes a currency. So okay. it's not so dead, it's nothing. I, I guess I could accept that. But one of the things that fiat currencies have that Bitcoin certainly doesn't is stability. Mm -hmm. And the reason they have stability is what we referred to a bit ago, and that is that the Federal Reserve tweaks the money supply to try and maintain this kind of level view. So if things start to get more expensive, well, let's look at Germany after World War II. Or the value of the German, the Deutschmark, I think, is their currency. It well, went from nothing. one Deutschmark per loaf of bread to 10,000 Deutschmarks per loaf of bread. I mean, insane. That's not stability. That mm -hmm. currency was useless for trading. The only reason was external activities, the war, the failure of that country. They could no longer support the stability. Same thing would happen in the US. If we have a giant civil war because we can't decide who's going to be the next president and everybody's shooting each other and all this instability happens, the US dollar will suffer mm -hmm. to some degree. One would assume it becomes far less valuable for everything. That's, that's kind of a predictable problem. We have those sorts of things on a micro scale every day, which is why the Federal Reserve exists, because there is an understanding that the relative value of a currency is dependent upon other things, the supply of that currency. Anything well, that nice. is scarce is going to be worth more than something of which there's a lot of it. The value of anything goes up when more people want it then there are pieces available. So you control that in our country, and I presume in other countries, by altering the supply of dollars. If more dollars are available, you're able to keep inflation and price increases and that thing a little bit more in check. If now the value is... of things starts to go down, you need to make the dollar more scarce, right? That's For stuff Dane, that I- Hold on. Okay. So you're- you you're getting into some very interesting topics that have to do with economics and money supply and the role of central banks. And I think they're interesting, but you're also making conclusions that not everybody agrees with you on. The believers in crypto believe that the fact that people aren't impacting the supply of Bitcoin makes it a strength because inflation isn't just driven by the, the money supply. It's driven by other things. You mentioned external things happening like a war that can have enormous impacts on inflation. 
other economic activity, the strength of the economy can impact inflation. This is why this topic could be very interesting because you're talking about a new monetary system with Bitcoin that could radically change how things work. And it gets into some complex topics. I think you'd agree what the Federal Reserve does. They're trying to move things a little bit here and there, but they really don't have full control of the economy or inflation. They've been trying to, for the last three years, control inflation. We think they've made an impact but maybe that would have happened anyway. Their ability to, to move the markets and do things is pretty limited. It's more of a signaling thing. Hey, we're going to keep raising interest rates until you stop this hot economy. So then people start to have that expectation that things are going to slow down. So maybe they do. There's lots of intricacies in these topics that not everybody was going to have the same view as you have with regard to money supply and management in the Federal Reserve. Well, I agree. And Make no mistake, I'm not a Nobel Prize winning economist. <laughs> but what I know is this. If you raise interest rates, people stop buying houses. End of story. And we've seen that happen. If you lower interest rates now, people will start buying houses. We had the lowest home purchase in, I don't know, 50 years last year because interest rates were going up and people could no longer afford to buy houses. For my money, there's only one thing you really need to know to understand how economies work, and that is supply, demand. That's it. When things are scarce, they cost more. Mm -hmm. When there is no demand, they cost less. That's the basic rule of economics. I think we might be veering a little off the topic here because the idea that somehow cryptocurrency solves a bunch of problems, I'll, I'll be curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. I, I don't have any comprehension of a new currency that would make any difference in that sort of thing. The price of gas goes up when there's less of it to purchase, typically. I, I agree. There are other things. There's transportation. Uh, you get bad weather and you can't get gas to the stations. So stuff like that. I go to the grocery store last week with all the snowstorms we've had and half the shelves are empty. That stuff would have an effect if it were long term, short term, probably. So when I talk supply and demand, I'm talking generally bigger issues. If we stop producing, I don't know, canned tomato soup, when you find tomato soup, they're going to charge you a premium for it. But by the way, premium is going to be in dollars, not bitcoins. <laughs> so, so okay, let me let me see if I can summarize though. I I I have told you many times I don't get Bitcoin. I don't see what it is. I, I think you're right. I do understand what it is supposed to be. I understand that it is somebody's idea of a new universal currency to replace all the existing currencies. I understand how it's managed. I understand how blockchain works and all that nonsense. I don't understand why people think it's so impenetrable because I don't believe it is. What I don't get is why do we need it? What problem do we have that Bitcoin solves? And when I ask myself that question, the answer is, no, I don't see one. So maybe if you can bring that to the table, if there is a problem that is easily quantifiable and you can explain that to me, maybe I, I can get a little further along with this. Right now, Bitcoin and all of these cryptocurrencies seem to have two real purposes in life. One, speculative investment, both sides, the people that are buying it, the people that are selling it. And two, crime, the ability to hide your activities in these very difficult to uncover transactions. Beyond that, I don't get it. I don't mm -hmm. see why it's there. I think we're largely in agreement on everything. I don't know what would be better about cryptocurrency over uh, the current fiat currencies, other than to say that cryptocurrency is governed by a program, by a set of instructions. And that set of instructions can only be changed under certain circumstances if everyone kind of agrees. There's no government that can control how that currency operates. It is outside of the governmental control. It's outside of any individual's ability to change it. The enthusiasts of cryptocurrency would say that's a strength and that's a key strength because we're no longer at the whim of, you know, dictators or oligarchs or all of the evil people in the world. Okay, I don't see that, but I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't see that as a problem that we need a solution for. Um, yeah. So the Russian ruble, whatever the hell that's worth, Vladimir Putin is not likely to impact the economy of the world by tweaking the value of the ruble. But what's interesting to me is uh, the statements that you just made about how this represents a new currency because it's all so encrypted. It's so so cryptologically hidden. I don't buy that. Mm -hmm. Somebody came up with this. So I'm going to ask you the same question. You you used 
the word they earlier. Who is they? Who's driving this boat? If no one has any control or any ability to influence or any ability to modify or tweak or maintain any of this mysterious stuff that's kept on some secret computer buried under the ice in the South Pole, who, who drives this boat? Who's in charge? If it's not a government, who's in charge? And I would remind you, you're familiar with the International Monetary Fund. It's a group of nations that all talk about what you just said. There are things that matter internationally because we all use different currencies. You could do something as president of the U.S. that would affect the French franc or the Italian lira. So these people have to be in a room together talking about things and be aware that there are there are events in the world, political events, economic events, natural disasters that could have a big impact on the value of a currency. And they have to work out arrangements somehow to avoid a disaster, that sort of thing. But from what you've told me, crypto, none of that. It's free running. It's just on autopilot somewhere, unless they, whoever that is, <laughs> have the ability to somehow control this. Who, yes, you bring up this? an excellent point. Who are they? Yeah. They are the stakeholders of a cryptocurrency. I don't trust them. I don't, I don't trust them either, but it's a group of people who are incentivized to maintain the network. It's no one point of failure. So the program that is Bitcoin is on lots of different nodes all over the world. And there are people have an incentive to maintain that node and make okay. sure that it's like working. the internet. Why are these people wonderful saints as opposed to our cro crooked politicians and dictators? Mm -hmm. Why are they the good guys? I mean, these are legitimate not. questions that I'm asking. They're not Why should I put no my trust, trust in, in them? Why are they better than what we currently have? Because what you're right now saying is that you have to trust politicians not to destroy the value of your U.S. dollar. Right. In the architecture that is cryptocurrency, it is a no-trust design. That means no one individual you have to trust. It is the program running. And if one individual tries to go rogue and steal and cheat and do something different, all the other nodes will prevent that from happening because they have an incentive not to let that happen. What's the incentive? That might be, that might be, I don't know exactly how it works. So there's miners and there's stakeholders and there's all these different roles and things that happen. If, if we have to get into that depth, that might be worth it. But if you don't believe that blockchain and the cryptography is forever secure, then it's not even worth talking about that because this whole thing is going to be a house of cards and it's going to fall apart because if that falls apart, it is now yeah. worth Zippo. I say that based on just my natural skepticism, not on mm -hmm. any scientific information that I have, but I have a very difficult time imagining that we humans could create something that is so secure that once we create it, no one can ever, ever penetrate it again. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's only one guy. That's all. That's all it would take. Yeah. I know I can't. I know you can't. But the rest of the world, there's got to be an evildoer out there somewhere that has the key where he can get in. My last comment, and then I'll let you sum this up, is that the idea that all of this IT security somehow replaces motivation of a leader somewhere, a federal official or a president or a premier or whatever, doesn't hold water with me. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that is going on with crypto right now and with Bitcoin right now is pure speculation. There is no evidence that it exists in any form for any purpose other than that. The more I get, the richer I can become. The more I pitch this, the richer I can become. The more I can convince other people that this is the one true way, the richer I can become. That's it. That's the sole motivation. And that's not necessarily evil. That's capitalism. Anything that I do, if I can convince you that I've got the best product and you buy my product, I'm ahead of the game. It's not necessarily done from an evildoer's perspective. That's just what we've got at this point. Because there's nothing there other than the belief that there is some value in this. There is nothing that I can do with this other than buy it, wait for it to go up and sell it. So it doesn't solve a problem for me personally in any way. It's just another way to bet that I can outthink, I don't know, fate, whatever drives the value of this. Like I said, Bitcoin's gone through the roof lately, but so has the stock market. So anywhere that I've got money now, I'm ahead of where I was in November. Not because I'm smart, but because that's the direction the market's going. 
That's what Bitcoin is doing now. But tomorrow, the whole thing may collapse for reasons that I don't begin to understand. I'll repeat, do not take financial advice from me because I've done this many times. I've speculatively invested in things. Sometimes I get it right and I think I must be the smartest guy in the world until the next day, in which case I say I got to be the dumbest guy in the world because it it just lives a life of its own based on a million different factors that have nothing to do with the specific speculative investment. It's everything around it. I don't disagree with anything you just said, but I do challenge the idea that you don't understand what Bitcoin is, because if you assume blockchain is secure, that no one can break it and it's at least secure for 100 years. Let's just I would I would hope that that's the case, but I do not believe it. Okay, but maybe you might admit if somebody breaks blockchain, they're going to be able to break a whole lot of other things and screw with everything in our current digital. Right, because society. blockchain is used for a lot of different uh, different securities. It's not just this. It's a commonly used approach. I have no doubt that it's more secure than probably anything else that we got going out there. If you can break blockchain, you're going to be able to break any other encryption that's out there yeah, and screw right. with everything. And we'll be back to having to trade dollars on the street chickens. or gold, chickens. Trade chickens for pigs. <laughs> or bullets. Okay. I don't know. So, this is an interesting conversation, Glenn. Um, and perhaps you're right. Maybe I know more about this than I'm I'm letting on. Maybe it's just that I don't think that this is the answer. It's no answer for me. Yeah, and I don't say wait, that it's an answer for I me. I don't disagree with that. And But what I want to make clear is that you might disagree with the idea of whether or not a finite supply of coins is better, but there are other cryptocurrencies that don't have a finite supply. So you could program a cryptocurrency to be whatever you want it to be. But all the aspects of cryptocurrency are there to make it an actual currency, except the fact that you and I don't agree that it has value. And I will never take a Bitcoin for a gallon of gas. Well, maybe I would right now because I'd immediately turn it into US dollars. <laughs> but I don't think of what something costs in terms of Bitcoin. I think of what it costs in fiat currency. And that's yeah. not going to change. And I don't see any advantage to considering something as Bitcoin. Okay. Just I, as you do. I guess I would yield to your assessment that I I see I see why the belief exists that this could be used for that. I don't think that all cryptocurrencies have all of the necessary parameters, but I don't know what they all are. I think that their intention is to take money from poor investors that don't know any better. Exactly. So we should probably distinguish between Bitcoin, the definitions of that, and other cryptocurrencies that are perhaps structured in the same way, if there are any, and all of those freeform things, which are they're just ways to get money from you and me. Back to your very first comments of no trust. The no trust would fall into all of those kind of myriad other cryptocurrencies Perhaps for future conversations, we, we need to distinguish that much of what we discuss is Bitcoin specific, because it does seem to be kind of the, the head of the pack, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. So if we do move forward with potential future episodes around cryptocurrency, it will get probably into the economics of what is a currency, what is good about the current fiat currencies, what is bad, and does cryptocurrency solve any of that? Because to your point, they're trying to sell us a product. They're trying to sell us an idea, trying to sell us a new currency, and it has to supplant what we currently use because it's working what we got. We just don't know what it is about cryptocurrency that would make it better. Is that the next evolution of currency? Does that somehow make everything easier, better, more efficient, less friction? Does that some suddenly create new ways of doing business that we're not aware of? So far, I have not seen that. Well, I think it's worth continuing the discussion because I consider myself sort of adult in this regard, like probably most of us in this country. We hear all this news, but do we really understand it? Yeah, I don't think so. Are we subject to the temptation of jumping on the bandwagon? Yeah, I think we probably are. But I think it's worth having the conversations and at least, you know, if I'm if I'm kind of the voice of the average person out there, if I sort of represent the level of misunderstanding of what this is of a lot of other people, it could be an interesting discussion. I don't have any expertise in finance. I don't have any expertise in economics. I did take an economics class in college. That's where I learned the one real supply and demand. It's the only thing I remember. I think we have to continually repeat that so that our listeners realize that we're just two guys on the street trying to figure this mm -hmm. out, just like them. Well, I'm going to go ahead and declare victory and state that you actually do understand 
Bitcoin. Maybe you even understood it before this conversation. But the important thing that I think we realized from this and that we've established is that there has to be a reason, a benefit, an evolution that makes sense to move towards and start using Bitcoin as a currency. And it can't be because you can remain anonymous. You and I don't really care about remaining anonymous. There has to be something else. I think that's what we need to explore next. Works for me. The IRS knows about all my money right now. I don't see that I'm going to gain any ground with Bitcoin. So does China. Yeah. <laughs> and Russia. That's true. Maybe El Salvador. Who knows? Never been to El Salvador, but I doubt I'll be doing any shopping there. Well, this was interesting, Glenn, but I can tell you one thing. I'm not buying any Bitcoin. 